I'm Annie Fox. And I'm Laurel Pinson. And this is Workwives, conversations at your desk with the woman who knows you best. I feel like you and I have been cranky for like two weeks. I know, and I feel bad. I hate the feeling of like, I have this with my husband too. You well, know? You, so yeah, that's we my other official Well, you spouse. feel like you're a bad wife. You feel like a bad, bad wife. I feel like I'm a bad wife to my husband and a bad wife to you right now. Oof, it's rough. I've it's been tough. a bad wife to Joel too. I know. Oh. I am officially a bad wife though. I know I'm a bad wife right now. Mm, no. Which is kind of like whatever. Like, you, I mean, not whatever. You don't want to be a bad anything. Mm. But sometimes you just have to be bad. I'm just like, like you got to put it down. Talking right now. You got to put it down. I did cook something last night. Oh, is it a path I, to redemption? Do I need to cook something? Y'all, I never cook. Let's be clear. I mean, I've cooked maybe one time. We've done full episodes about how you don't cook. I know, but my husband cooks all the things. And last night I cooked Blue Apron. <gasps> like oh. the Blue Apron stuff cooked. And I, I came and I cooked it. And it was so nice. What was it? Tell me. It was a salmon. It was like a Thai salmon situation. Mm. I mean, first of all, it was amazing because, like, ain't nobody buying coconut powder. Like, you don't want to buy, like, the jar of coconut powder. Like, you just get, like, just the right packet. But more importantly, I couldn't do anything with my phone while I was cooking. And I think that was, like, a good place. Why why have you been a bad wife? I know why I'm being a crotchety bad wife. (laughs) Why are you being a bad wife? It is a combination of just being an absent wife. I've Mm. been home, like, six days in the last month if that three days in the last month actually um so i just haven't even seen my husband which to Um, the outsider is like look how jet set she is fuck that yeah but yes look how jet set she is champagne problems um and then i've just been traveling so much that i've been cranky as yeah fuck you you must be really because you just were you were in madrid i was in madrid which is lovely madrid again champagne problems but you must be exhausted but before that i was in vegas before that i was in la then i was in australia like i just haven't been around and i've been like cranky and exhausted not feeling particularly sexy or passionate well yeah so it's like oh i miss you i want to hang out with you quality time but don't touch me don't talk to me don't even look at me like you want to touch me Mm -hmm. or talk to me because now i'm feeling the pressure that you want to and that is making me angry why can't you just be here without being here but then still call it quality time and like does sex for you like help if you're feeling sometimes like sometimes i i i do feel like you can fuck your way through it that's for sure true but like (laughs) but then other times you can't and you don't always know until you start the fucking which is unfortunate that is like yes then you're like well i've been there (laughs) or you're midway through and you're like want to do this not helping not helping but don't really know a natural way to end this without just saying this isn't working for me just leave Leave, how about lunch yeah listen i'd rather just eat yeah Yeah. no i never am sure if that's like an extrovert or an introvert problem like it's just never been a thing that was a problem solver which sucks because if you're being a bad wife you know and you're you sort just of removing throw, throw, yourself throw there's, there's really there's no there's nothing to throw at the equation to make Can't it throw better. a vagina at it nope certainly not mine because she is f- grumpier than my yeah. face is oh, yeah. like you pull my pants off and you've just got this judgy hairy woman <laughs> staring at you making me feel really shit about yourself so you don't want to see her either I don't really know what I have to but offer. But in a gangster mall voice. Oh, totally. <laughs> I love that all roads lead back to talking about my personifying my <laughs> vagina on this show. I mean, I went there. Let's be clear. It's true. It's, it's my true. fault. I'm sorry. I'm a bad wife at work, too. No, I've been, I've been a bad wife to you. But you did bring cookies today. 
was like, I like that you were just like, when in doubt, feed the people that could potentially be disappointed. I feel like it's some like it works. Sad little girl instinct where I some some, like bring offerings to people where I'm like like libation. Yeah, it totally worked for that three minutes that I ate that cookie. Shit doesn't seem so bad right now. And then now I hate everything. And a whole group where I'm like, let me just give you a lot of news that's just going to disappoint and frustrate you. And no clear direction, but a cookie. And for you, see you later. <laughs> Fuck. So you're a bad wife and your mm. vagina's livid. Um, but but Madrid was good, right? Madrid was amazing. Have you been to Spain? You have, no, right? Oh, I haven't. Madrid was amazing. And, and like, it was a very passionate trip which oh. is unusual maybe you for... just exhausted it all no, well no she it didn't the passion didn't reach all the way down there unfortunately okay <laughs> it stopped somewhere around my stomach <laughs> touche but it's not it's not typical for press trips to be passionate you know like you usually go on these things and they're amazing and you feel very grateful that you get to go anywhere on somebody else's dime let alone you know spain but usually you know they are like they're like you know, worky things like you've got to mm-hmm. go and see certain things and talk to certain people and sort of schmooze a bit and network and do all the things. It's like um, Fashion Week, which right? Looks so good from, from the, the outside, outside, but is kind of a grind. Oh yeah, champagne problems again. But to be able to go on a press trip and and set, call it passionate, I think is super rare. Hmm. Um, and that's partially because obviously it was in Madrid, which is I think just a passionate city inside a passionate culture. Um, and because I could say to passionate cool like seventeen more, <laughs> passionate, passionate, passionate. But I got to see a flamenco performance and I'd never seen flamenco live and it made me cry like a little bitch. You know when you like <laughs> you see a thing that like you go into a thing thinking like, Oh, this is gonna be really exciting, can't wait, sitting down, having some wine, having chats, ha ha, how are you? You look great tonight, blah blah blah. And then all of a sudden a woman starts dancing and I bawled like a bitch the entire time and could not work out why it was affecting me so much and I was like crying into fabric napkins and I could like I was crying so loudly that in the bits where there was no noise you could just hear this like snotty wet like French bulldog sound coming from the back because I was not coping oh girl and I realized it was because like she someone told me she performed every night and that's when I started crying because I realized she felt deeply passionate at least once a day every single day of her goddamn life and it just tipped me over to a like I just woo just went to a place like I loved it and admired it and was weirdly emotionally turned on by it but then also felt really pathetic yeah because you're like yeah like do you have a moment in your day where you're basically flamencoing do you in your Mm. heart at least this is a dark hole I don't want to send you down, but we should we should either. think about when we flamenco in our heart. I mean, you know what we should do? We should try and think of it at least once a week and maybe even before we come to tape, we should just talk about what made our hearts flamenco so that we can not feel so missed. Now I'm going to be watching for it. Maybe, maybe if I'm thinking it is. about maybe it, it'll happen. Maybe if we're thinking happen. about it, yeah. We just need to manifest more flamenco in our yeah. heart. We should make this official right now. All right. Because so it's, it's clear a, we both need it. So, well, we said it on the air, so now we have okay, to live now up we're to committed. it. All right. So every week we're going to have a flamenco moment. The moment yeah. that made us flamenco in our hearts. Yep. Yep. Do you have one? For, well, we've just established that neither of us neither have one. Neither of us have one now. So we're going to have to. I mean, A, this is, needs to be a thing that we all live up to. And you guys should also share your flamenco moments with us. Now, you're going to need two hashtags, which is complicated. But I think <laughs> you're going to hashtag work wives and then you're going to hashtag the flamenco lady. And that's how we're going to know it's your flamenco moment. Janae, welcome to the podcast. Hey. Thank you for bringing really shitty wine with you. You know what? I try to keep it real. <laughs> My palate is basic. 
That's fine. Appreciate it. It's really wine, it. which already makes you a welcome guest in <laughs> our podcast. <laughs> it solves 90% of the problem. <laughs> You're done. You're done. I just decided to start a little early tonight. I was already going to come. That. It's, it's after five. You're fine. February 1st is the kickoff of Black History Month. Yeah. Um, and you have prepared an extra special panel for us today. And by it's, panel, I mean, I use the word panel loosely. It's like more like a party? It's basically me and three of my closest friends talking shit and also talking black girl magic. Excellent. Perfect. Perfect. So. Perfect. That is perfectly on brand for work with us. <laughs> <laughs> basically the whole thing. How did you talking shit. How did you decide which friends you wanted to assemble for this? Well, you know, I thought about me, what I wanted to talk about, and who would be the best but, like, funniest and also serving kind of, like, Real Housewives of Atlanta, like, one-liners. Oh, okay. And I really hope these people live up to <laughs> what my expectations are. I'm trying to get them drunk off of cheap wine. So hopefully we'll have some good content I today. also love that all of the friends out there that you have that weren't invited are now going to be like, what the fuck? I'm funny. It's actually really awkward. <laughs> it's been a strange situation. Oh, um, you think I can't deliver a Real housewives one-liner? Exactly. I can do that. Exactly. So I'm really excited because they're super smart, all in different fields, but also Beyonce stands just like I am. And we talk black girl magic all the time. So this should be just like every other day. So why don't you introduce yourselves? Hi, everybody. My name is Iman, and Janae and I have been friends for far too long, but it's yeah. been so fun since college. Hi, guys. Hey, everyone. My name is Lauren, and Janae and I have been best friends uh, for oh, over no. a decade. <laughs> Competition no, sure. <laughs> Yeah. My Get name ready. is Alexandria. Janae and I actually grew up in the same We're city. But, <laughs> <laughs> but, but Janae grew up on the other side of town. We met in... And I guess L.A. with Lauren. Yes. And then moved to D.C. And then we all moved to New York. Yes, sisterhood of the traveling. No pants, but leggings. Yes, (laughs) that's real. So anyway, we are here today to talk black girl magic, something that we always do together. Uh, And I want to start with the girl who, summer 16, owned the streets and kind of owned Drake a little bit. All summer 16. Yeah. I mean, actually, she's actually, been killing year. it. She's mm-hmm. been killing it for a lifetime. She has. She is my body goals, and she was also the cover of Glamour in July, and I was so excited. Her name is Serena Williams, and I just want to know, Alex, what do you have to say about her? Okay, so Serena is the GOAT. So the, the greatest yes, of uh, all time. Thank you. Um, she's been the goat from when she was, you know, rocking the braids with the beads at the end. And, with the and, beads. Yes, right. And, 11 years old. I always California. wondered how they were playing tennis with those beads, smacking in their face. But faces, not just but, playing, but winning. Right. right. And at a professional level. I mean, killing it. I like, just imagine that those beads gave them superpowers. That's real. Because I did wear did. beads at one point just yeah. to try to figure it out. Exactly. But anyway, Serena's the GOAT. She's the best. Um, she also got engaged this year. Or yes. last yes. year. Won't so she definitely it? had the best year. Yes, she did. But on top of that athleticism, she actually was the best twerker. Yeah, she actually got to perform, y'all. I mean, she's in With Beyonce. Yes. Oh, my God. In real life. You guys, I didn't even think of that. I wasn't even thinking about that. I mean, I love her. 
she was in Lemonade and got engaged in the same year. If that <laughs> yes. is not the yes. best year ever. Of your life. Goals. Serena and Venus, really, since they're, because they've been in the game for over 20 yeah. years. Woo, repeat been, that. Literally, been That's in the game real. for over 20 years. But they have been Running degraded yes. by their fashion choices when it came to the court about mm-hmm. their body. They have been objectified. Yes. Literally, I almost want to say every time that woman steps on the court, the commentators are mm-hmm. talking about her hair. They're right. talking about her outfit. They're not talking necessarily about what sport or you know her athleticism or saying yeah. how she's the most powerful, you know, has the most powerful backhand. They're really talking about wow, she decided to wear a leather jumpsuit or look at that hairstyle she did. And it's just like that let's focus on, but yeah. let's focus on her sport yes. and right. how she completely owns it every single time she gets out there. And now she is, as Alex said, like you know. What is at the top? In, in my mind, she is the go, the greatest of all yep. time. And I everything. just wonder that mindset that she has because, like, sometimes I, when I was watching Simone Biles over the summer, I was like, "This girl!" Like, we had been hyping her for months prior to the Olympics, and yeah. like, I couldn't imagine being what sixteen or something, mm-hmm. and like right. going out there and knowing that everybody thinks you're supposed to be taking home the golds, all of them. not for your state, okay, but for the entire United States, mm-hmm. and we needed something in 2016. It's been right. rough, okay? Right. All all our <laughs> eggs were in the Simone basket, yeah. and she fulfilled our dreams. Okay? She really did, but I want to, I was thinking about when we were talking about the Compton thing, which I do, I do feel like when these athletes have um, – a, a difficult background or a harder mm-hmm. background it is it important to recognize it but i sometimes resent how much emphasis is placed on that every time yeah the you know simone biles and the and the venus and serena you know step into this arena because it's like why do we have to it's like this trope that quite frankly people have not people that are not of color love to put you know focus on and like yeah. hype and talk about and make it the sob story right i think people do that because people want to hold on to the american yeah. dream and yeah. it's like you know we have gotten from the bootstraps to mm-hmm. what is the phrase actually pick yourself pick up yourself from up from the bootstraps yeah. and taking simone biles for example this girl you know her mother had you know drug addiction mm-hmm. and issues she was placing the foster sister with her sister obviously had this amazing talent and now at a very young age is literally at her peak right mm-hmm. and so right. people do like to hold on and also people are inspired by that so i do see yeah. both sides and but she's i do like think the a lot definition of, people- of grit you know mm-hmm. like lauren and i were teachers in south central and east la yes <laughs> holding LA. it down <laughs> um and we saw some kids who were so talented and so smart and like i could tell that if they had just had a chance to get out of the hood. Like yeah. they could do really, really amazing things, but there were so many other external factors that could get in the way of them being great. And luckily, Simone was able to be plucked out of that kind of environment and had supportive parents. And now she's an Olympian. And just right. imagine what we did if we like paid a little bit more attention or provided opportunities to all these other kids who who have the grit but just don't have the opportunity. I know this is this podcast is a bla- about Black Girl Magic, but I also think we are hard on each other. And I think we can talk about black women being hard on each other and feeling the need to comment on that type of thing, like hair, in the face of this, this like, all the success that you just mentioned with all of these women. Like, how we can drill down to that and why we hold ourselves to that kind of standard. So I have been doing a lot of evaluating. And I'm, mm-hmm. like, like a lot of black women right now, I'm... I'm in the process of a natural hair journey. Mm-hmm. And something that I, I realized that was happening 
was that I was subconsciously deciding that to be professional, to be pretty, to be acceptable meant straight. It meant what I was not, what was not natural to me. And so while I, I, I was so annoyed at every single person, black, white, whatever, who had anything to say about Gabby in either Olympics, there's a piece of me that understands that, right? There's always some sort of pressure on us that if we are not completely assimilated assimilating to the, this European standard of beauty then we're not professional we're not to be taken seriously and it's like girl Gabby is doing backflips right mm-hmm. like she's not worried about edge control like she doesn't need to be like she's a teenager and she's actually performing and winning at the highest level but there's a little bit of sadness in me that I feel like we as black women, even though we are embracing this natural journey, we still feel the need to point out and call out when other black women necessarily aren't assimilating. No, it's completely your socialization. Yeah. It's just like where you came from and this is what is normal. What you know. Right. Alex and I, again, are from Indiana and the black women that we saw were definitely black women who had straight hair. Or when we went to Spelman, we, mm-hmm. we saw a lot of black women that had straight hair and extensions and then eventually we saw this like revolution where you know women were starting to let their curls grow out and wear out their natural hair and Alex and I both have natural hair today and I think it's just really saying something about black women coming into their own and I mean what I thought was really beautiful and we can keep moving forward was when Viola Davis won her Emmy and she was on stage with natural hair in this beautiful white gown and she said these amazing words when she won she said um the only thing that separates women of color from anyone else is opportunity she said you cannot win an emmy for roles that are simply not there and what i thought was so important about this was that like viola is obviously a spectacular actress but sometimes the roles that are not there are simply because people only think of black women in black roles. They're not thinking about the fact that a black woman has the same motherhood, experiences motherhood in the same way as a white woman. A black woman experiences heartbreak in the same way as a white woman. And so when, because the mainstream is telling us that white is what is accepted, then if you put a black woman in a role that we would have thought a white woman would have been the actress for, it all of a sudden becomes a story that involves race. When we're not in the room, the ideas that people come up with, it is shameful. I remember at my old job, we were working on um, a show that was you know, trying to skew towards uh, black women, and they thought it was a good idea to have a reality show that was centered around you know, creating these experiences that would make women feel confident and powerful. Mm-hmm. But it was the the premise of the show is that black women were supposed to be teaching basically white women how to be sassier and oh how to God. like be confident. And it's just kind of like if you could see the eye rolls. I don't but in the and and people feel like these things are a good idea. They feel like that's something to bridge the gap. And there is no one in the room until Shonda comes along to tell them, no, this needs to be axed completely or something needs to be more complex or things like that is very, very powerful. Right. 
did you guys see Tracy win uh-huh. the Golden Globe? Now that's I, my body goals. Actually, you said Simone. <laughs> yeah. no, I was no, like, no, no. Girl, Tracy, Tracy is, is mine. my body and hair goals. Yeah, so. I've been watching Tracy for so long, and when I tell you, Homegirl is like forty-two. Okay, mm-hmm. and she has been in this game working, and she's been spectacular for a long time. Mm-hmm. I mean, this woman has been a comedic genius for as long as I can remember knowing her, and it's at least been fifteen years for me. And when she finally won that award, and this was the first time she was even invited to the Golden mm-hmm. Globe. She talk said, about it, it. It feels good to be here. It feels mm-hmm. good to be 42. Like, this is her year, and I am so happy for her. I'm so happy that she was invited to um, host the Glamour Women of the Year Awards, and I just can't wait to see more of what she's going to do. But in her speech, she also took the opportunity to shout out other um, women of color, and she said, you know, this is for all the women, women of color and colorful people whose stories and ideas and thoughts are not always considered worthy and valid and important and she said but I want you to know that I see you and we see you and I just felt like she was talking to me because I mean we probably all work in environments where it's we are one of the few Mm -hmm. and I feel like I'm always working to elevate stories of women of color and I just want them to know that they have a place in mainstream media too and I think it's really important that every single time somebody gets an award like this that they take a moment and acknowledge that so many other women out there are working towards this common goal. Mm -hmm. What I love about Tracy so Definitely, Janae has been a hardcore fan. She actually had the DVDs, y'all. Hey. Of, Girlfriends. Uh, Girlfriends. Like, 2003 Wait, but how DVDs. can we get Netflix or someone to put these know, back what, in what rotation? The we gotta call I can Mara. watch Girlfriends is by YouTubing. Right. I do that consistently. Right, but but Tracy feels out. like the girlfriend in my head and probably all you guys' heads, too. Mm-hmm. And what I love, simply... Like, you think you're Joan. You, you think you're Joan? That's interesting. Not shady, just interesting. We're gonna I pause. Mean, <laughs> I'm definitely. It's not shady. All, it's just I'm definitely Joan. Okay, that, There's no shade to Joan. No, no, Joan is amazing. Well, okay, it's you. not yeah. shady. Probably I'm gonna. This. I'm gonna right. And, and what we're saying now is just watch girlfriends and yes, get your life. Yes, it's it's, it's but like to sex that in the city. she plays relatable characters, and I loved her character the entire few seasons of Blackish. I think the writing at Blackish is so strong. Yeah, and I think it consistently says, similar to other shows that have been on, you know, before. This is not just a black family. This is just an American family. This is just mm-hmm. a family that experiences the challenges of having. Do they have three or four kids? Sometimes I can't even keep two, up. Two but they have, they have kids. They have two professional working parents. And some of those challenges of living in Los Angeles and having that day-to-day experience. And that's something that I relate to. And I have other friends, white, black, Latino, who also relate to that story. And I love that Tracy drives at home in every interview I see. She says that people keep saying Blackish is so great because it's talking about the black family. We are just like everyone else. She's right. just bringing it back full circle. But it, it actually, and it's... I was talking to Yara Shahidi. I just wanted to drop that name. And she said that it's actually watched by like 65% white people. And I think that's really, really spectacular that they are... While Blackish is a story about a family, it also does have the nuances of what a black family might be experiencing um, that they're not uh, fully open about with everybody else. And so I think it's really interesting for other people to take a peek into what our lives are like, you know, behind closed doors. Really? Shout out to ABC. ABC is leading the game in terms of scripted content and all diverse 
types of people that are in their shows. And, you know, we're, I'm forever grateful for that, to be able to watch that. I mean, so basically, wrapping Hollywood up, I'm really optimistic after seeing the Golden Globes this year that Moonlight and Fences and other stories that are telling black stories, maybe from a race perspective, maybe not, are going to be celebrated in the Oscars and they won't be so white anymore. So I want to dive into one of my favorite humans. Her name is Michelle Levon. Yes. Michelle Levon uh, Obama. AKA, Full government name. <laughs> AKA girl from the South Side. Okay. <laughs> who <And> I love. <laughs> <laughs> who took on a role she was yesterday. Who took on a role she did not ask for. Yes. yes. Exactly. I mean, that whole speech, I literally <sighs> was like, yes, queen. And she just stood there just sat there wouldn't you no tears no tears I wouldn't take my eyes off my man exactly so honestly um, Michelle has been a force of nature throughout the last eight years that she's been our first lady she's also been someone that all women I think can look up to um, just for her grace and beauty under fire and under pressure but also, specifically for black and brown women, she is an example of beauty and the fact that we, too, have a space in the White House. To see Barack Obama, who we all think is the Fine. finest man oh, who ever walked Talk this earth, uh, to see him get up every day and choose Michelle and Michelle choose him. I just know that he sees her as such an equal and a partner. And that is what I think we all aspire to have in all of our relationships. Um, But Michelle also went to the DNC and gave the truth, okay? When she said, I wake up every morning in a house built by slaves and I see my daughters play on the lawn of a house built by slaves, I think, what she was trying to tell us was like, yes, we have come so far, but let's never forget what we did in the past. Let's never forget where we've come from in the history of America's horrors against people of color. I mean, yeah. And and let's continue to reach towards progress because that is all we can do moving forward that's the most important thing and I think she is just really an inspiration to so many women and I'm just so devastated that she won't be my first lady anymore she needs to be an inspiration to men too I mean her her qualifications I'm I remember reading something early on that Michelle Obama should be a Supreme Court justice right like her qualifications and her experience I mean she is We've never seen a first lady with her with her pedigree. We know that they're going to continue to push each other, and we know that for sure neither of them would have been, or Barack certainly wouldn't have been in the role that he was in without Michelle. At least what I took away definitely on November 9th was like some of the silver linings that came out of that. Mm-hmm. You know, And so there were several, not several, but there were definitely a couple women of color that have really shot up to, to me, I mean, what will hopefully be famous, but more so than that, they will make an impact in their local communities. And so I'll definitely pitch it over to Alex, but whether it's Kamala Harris, Lisa Blunt, it doesn't matter. These women are now going to be 
in a different presidency, but will be making, you know, the right kind of impact in their local, I mean, not in the local, but the national level. Right. In certain states and in regions across the country, black women really kind of took over, which is amazing for me. Kamala Harris, who is someone I've been following for a while, another soror of mine, um, another <laughs> member of Alpha Cap Alpha. We're all sisters in Christ. Right. And, you know, we're all black women and we're all sisters. OK, but I just also want to show up about I just also want to show up. I just also have to, you know, I have to do my thing. But but she is the the second black woman senator of the state of California. And the first she's um, black and Indian, the first Indian senator and, and woman senator in the country, which is amazing. And um, Lauren's hometown really showed up and showed out with yes. Lisa Blunt, the f- first black woman con- um, congresswoman out of Delaware. And then we also have Val Demings, um, a congresswoman from Florida, which she was yeah. just newly elected, and now she's the assistant whip of the Democratic Party. Woo! Just like, Come on, girl. And then, of course, um, not at a national level, but of national importance, um, Ilhan Omar. She is the first Somali-American person to be elected to the United States legislature. She's elected to the state house in Minnesota. She was once a refugee. I mean, it's amazing. So while things maybe, you know, didn't go as planned at the top of the ticket for some people um, elsewhere, regionally throughout the country, black women were showing out. Now is the time that we have to lean in to the moment where we all realized that Jay-Z's cheating ass had the nerve Mm. Had the nerve <laughs> to cheat on the queen Alex, of all queens. Alex really just straightened and up. On okay. one fateful April evening, mm. me we and some together. of my friends we were all together. sat together in my apartment. Oh, and we were prepared for Beyonce to give us some upbeat tracks. You know, mm. I was ready to Ring get bodied. Alarm. Yeah, mm. I was. I mean, I, I didn't know what Crazy she was going to give us. But homegirl started on her knees in a black hoodie. And I said, what is happening? And she Where's jumped the off a mountain. Where's the fashion? She jumped off a mountain. <laughs> and she did. She tried I, to kill herself. She did. It's it, too much. It, it was, was too much. It started off with the Beyonce drowning. And I, I'm still recovering. To this I mean, day. so it starts there. And you're like, this might be the T of 2016 happening right in front of us. Like, Beyonce is giving us the tea that we've been looking for since 2014, but right. we just never got. Right. But visually, she gave us a tea through HBO. Exactly. <laughs> and, Let's and talk about that. What that, commercial. <laughs> that. That tea was paid for. When I saw her explain the stages of heartbreak mm. and when she ends really with resurrection mm. and hope, I was like, yes. We were all in Janae's house, we okay? Were. And so we didn't know that this was ending in forgiveness. So, so it, it's a nice story to tell <laughs> we now. Did it. We didn't know what was happening. Honestly, it was really tumultuous. Honestly, mm-hmm. we believed that it would end with some sort of document outlining their divorce. But we had no clue. <laughs> we, we had no clue but what this to is how Beyonce keeps you. This is how, I mean, yes, this is how Beyonce keeps you. And so we were torn up inside. And me personally, um, I'm actually in a very happy relationship right now. Let them know. So let's talk about that. But I just want to. But I will I? say that there was some parts of that that took me back to some other moments that weren't as happy with a different person. I have to quote you from this night because it is literally one of my favorite moments in our friendship. You literally turned to me when um, uh, Hold Up was on. And you literally, I don't even remember. And you literally go, you literally go, honestly, I'm so glad this thing didn't come out in college because I would have gone to jail. (laughs) We didn't know Beyonce was going to end with forgiveness. So, like, if you're just watching it, you're like, Beyonce, I'm here with you. You're upset. 
We're, we're, we're damaging property. We're ratting out. We're talking about. This makes sense to me. Right. It makes perfect sense. We're talking about wearing <laughs> women's teeth on our clothing. Like, I'm here. Like, this actually, we're here. And a younger me would have not waited to the end of Lemonade when we're talking about forgiveness and walking through waters and white clothing and holding hands. And we just would have stopped at smashing windows and and. You know, I wouldn't be sitting here today. I definitely would have been in someone's Indiana penitentiary. <laughs> I appreciate Beyonce holding off on lemonade until I was at a place where I was more more mature, where I could really just wait to write it out. What was amazing about it was just how black it was. Yeah. I mean, it was so black. I mean, women had their hair wrapped and they were at all sorts of dollar stores, all sorts of corner stores. There was the the dancing, the band down the streets. I mean, yeah. She bought really Zendaya. Took, she bought yes. Amanda. She brought um, Chloe and Hallie. She had and black that beautiful on a scene. pedestal. She had symbols of Trayvon Martin. The mother. She had the mothers the of the movement. movement. Mm-hmm. I mean, it, it was, was so beautiful. black. It was but really to me, reaffirming. That and goes I, back to that same point of forgiveness is the final form of love. For those women to be a part of that video, to them to be a part of the visual presentation that HBO was promoting. I mean, beautiful. I loved that it felt like she was leaning into her Mm. black womanhood. And Beyonce is, you know, actually like a lighter woman. She's Creole. But when she wore those braids, I was like, girl, let me give me some braids next Mm -hmm. weekend. I mean, I haven't gotten the braids yet. I will be getting them. (laughs) That was summer 17. Uh, Yeah. She's been talking about this for three years. So I really hope this summer Haters haters will hate. (laughs) But um, this whole album was an ode to black women. It was a promise to black women that she is on our team. And in Solange wrote an album that really contrasted in in sound and style. I mean, they're so, so different. But they both at the bottom of them had a love for black people. And I think that was what was really important in a message that black people needed to hear this year. Okay. And it's this thought Tied of together. authenticity that you cannot make this kind of art and make this kind of content without being true to who you are and people feeling that and it being real. Art should reflect the Mm -hmm. everyday. And what I love so much about A Seat at the Table is that Solange is talking for me as a black mother. Can you imagine just the imagery that we've experienced as single women the imagery of a Tamir Rice or the imagery of a Trayvon Martin and, and being see that really every day. I mean, her art is to songwrite and to sing and the fact that her songs, FUBU, her songs, I mean, all of her songs that are on this Don't Touch My Hair, don't, Cranes in the don't. Sky. Mm-hmm. All right, Iman. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, I think both albums are just works of genius and I think it's amazing to have two such talented women and two women who have really found their own space in this industry and I think what's most important about them is that they're so grounded as Lauren had said in in their southern roots but in their African-American roots in their Creole roots and what their parents have instilled in them which is like the values that you are worth more than your body and you have a voice and you've got a platform and you should use it to um put out messages that will uplift your community and so I think at the end of it they both win the Black Girl Magic Award because they both wrote albums for us and by us and that's just a shout out to Solange and on that note I think we can end thank you so much for coming out you guys were really great and you really did meet my expectations (laughs) today so congratulations we worked so hard today oh we do we live to be oh but you're so annoying I'm glad we met your expectations today I'm rolling my eyes (laughs) in the back of my head she's getting her life
Work Wives is produced by Ben Riskin and Acast. Our associate producer, Katiri Benjamin, keeps the ship afloat. And we have production support from the whole staff at Glamour, including Anna Maysline, Lizzie Logan, and Simone Kitchens. And we're recorded right here at Condé Nast Studio in NYC.